Section 5 of Safeguarding Children, Pediatric Medical Countermeasure Research by Presidential Commission for the Study of Bioethical Issues. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Patrick McAfee, Merritt Island. Chapter 3, Ethical Considerations for Pediatric Medical Countermeasure Research. Part 1. Chapter 3, Ethical Considerations for Pediatric Medical Countermeasure Research The Secretary for Human and Health Services, HHS, requested that the Bioethics Commission analyze the ethical issues associated with conducting medical countermeasure MCM research with children including an analysis of both pre- and post-event studies of anthrax vaccine-absorbed AVA. In this chapter, the Bioethics Commission, supported by the long-held principles enumerated in Chapter 2, concludes that society's duty to children requires a necessary, even if not sufficient, limit on the level of research risk to which children can be exposed for the benefit of others. This risk ceiling, above which only limited and previously outlined exceptional circumstances allow us to pass, governs even the unique circumstances of MCM research. Ethical grounding. Ethical biomedical research is motivated by principles set forth in the Belmont Report and embodied by the work of the National Commission for the Protection of Human Subjects of Biomedical and Behavioral Research, the National Commission. Respect for persons, beneficence, and its corollary, non-maleficence, justice, and democratic deliberation. Additional considerations relating to children are outlined in the National Commission's report, Research Involving Children, and codified in 45 CFR Part 46, Subpart D, and 21 CFR Part 50, Subpart D. In this chapter, as in Chapter 2, the Bioethics Commission adopts shorthand referring only to HHS regulations in the text, although the discussion encompasses the provisions of subpart D as codified by both HHS and the U.S. Food and Drug Administration, FDA. Central to any analysis of pediatric research is the fact that children are ethically and legally unable to consent to assume research risks. Respect for persons in the context of pediatric research requires that researchers obtain both parental permission and meaningful child assent to participate. Although meaningful assent or dissent is distinct from consent, it nevertheless plays an important role in respecting children as persons. Young children differ from the oldest children in their moral development, which affects their ability to meaningfully assent or dissent 
to research participation. Children who have the ability to provide meaningful assent for participation in MCM research without the prospect of direct benefit and who instead demonstrate meaningful dissent are entitled to have their dissent respected, regardless of their parents' permission. The critical consideration is that assent and dissent be meaningful. For example, a toddler unable to provide meaningful assent who expresses distaste for an injection is not expressing meaningful dissent. In conjunction with respect for persons, beneficence obligates us to recognize additional duties owed to children as vulnerable persons. As outlined in Chapter 2 of this report, beneficence guides the risk-benefit assessment in research, reducing research risk to children to the lowest possible level by considering all possible alternatives. One of five considerations offered in the Belmont Report requires that researchers test interventions as extensively as possible with computer models, animals, or adults, individuals who can legally and ethically consent in order to better understand and minimize research risks before testing interventions with children. Beneficence also requires that we safeguard the health of children outside the research context, which can include providing evidence-based treatments and, in the case of public health preparedness, safe preventive and therapeutic interventions, including MCMs, justice, which calls for equitable distribution of research burdens in combination with respect for persons, beneficence, and non-maleficence, requires that adults take on greater risk so that children bear no more risk than necessary. Together, these principles support the ethical conclusion that research with children should generally pose no greater than minimal risk to participants unless it offers the prospect of direct benefit. 45 CFR Section 46.405 Section 405 or is likely to generate vitally important knowledge about the participant's condition. 45 CFR Section 46.406 Section 406 in the context of pre-pediatric MCM research, where neither exception applies, this means that all necessary prior testing should be done to identify, understand, and characterize the risks in order to conduct research that could be classified reasonably as minimal risk, approvable under 45 CFR section 46.404, section 404 posing risks no greater than those of everyday life or a routine medical examination whenever possible. If it is not possible to conduct an informative minimal risk pre-event pediatric MCM study and the research poses no more than a minor increase over minimal risk, the proposed research may go forward only after national level review as set forth in 45 CFR section 46.407, section 407, and specified later in this chapter. 
Though Section 407 allows for the potential approval of research posing no more than a minor increase over minimal risk in other circumstances, the Bioethics Commission determined that this greater level of research risk is ethically impermissible in the MCM context. Certain kinds of pediatric MCM research seem to meet the standards of extraordinary circumstances envisioned by the National Commission. Pediatric MCM research requires narrower risk limits than might be permitted in other exceptional types of pediatric research under Section 407. However, because it is distinct from most other pediatric research in ethically relevant ways, as highlighted in Chapter 1 of this report and further discussed below. Moreover, because children have no legally or ethically recognized capacity to consent to assume risks, and because they are vulnerable individuals who need to be protected from undue risks undertaken for the benefit of others, the Bioethics Commission considered this approach to pre-event MCM research with children to be fully consistent with established ethical principles. In the context of post-event pediatric MCM research, research risks also must be minimized. Yet, the ethical considerations differ from pre-event MCM research because pediatric research participants likely will have been exposed to an agent, meaning that research could yield vital information about their condition, section 406 and participants might have already received the MCM under investigation as a treatment measure, reducing research risks to minimal, section 404, or creating the potential for direct benefit to participants, section 405. When children receive an untested MCM, it is ethically imperative that researchers collect as much data as possible to inform and protect both those who have received it and other children who, in the future, might need such treatment in an emergency. Research protocols must be in place for rapid deployment and groundwork for extensive and effective community engagement must be prepared. Also of paramount importance, Exceptional care must be taken to ensure that research protections, such as fully informed parental permission and meaningful child assent, are observed to their fullest extent. Although pediatric MCM research can be conducted either before a bioterrorism event occurs as a pre-event study or after a bioterrorism event occurs as a post-event study, Pre- and post-event studies present different ethical and logistical concerns. In pre-event research, no research participants have yet been exposed to the agent, meaning the research will not offer the prospect of direct benefit to individual child participants or the prospect of valuable knowledge about the participant's condition. Participants in post-event research have either already been exposed to the agent or have a greater likelihood of being exposed in the near future and might have already received the MCM under investigation. Post-event research risks, therefore, 
are generally limited to those involved in the active or passive surveillance of participant reactions to the MCM. Because these types of research raise different ethical and logistical concerns, pre- and post-event studies are addressed separately and in turn. For the purposes of this report, those studies conducted when a threat is imminent, in other words, it is predictably coming quickly and there is little time for deliberation, are understood to pose ethical and practical concerns that track those of a post-event study, even if technically conducted pre-event. These concerns will be addressed in greater detail below. Pre-event studies. Pre-event pediatric MCM research will generally be conducted with healthy children and offer no prospect of direct benefit to participants. Further complicating its conduct, pre-event MCM research presents challenging ethical characteristics involving 1. Health conditions that might pose considerable danger to children as a class, but danger that could be mitigated by exposing a small group of healthy children to research risks. 2. Health conditions that no child has yet contracted and that result from events that have an unknown and unknowable likelihood of occurrence. And 3. Research that would produce results that we expect and hope never to use. Given these characteristics, pre-event research cannot be considered to offer the prospect of direct benefit to research participants and therefore cannot be approved under Section 405. Pre-event MCM research also cannot be approved under Section 406 because the participants do not have a condition about which important generalizable knowledge can be obtained. All such pre-event pediatric MCM research, therefore, must either be approved under Section 404, which requires that research risks be minimal or, in exceptional circumstances, as set forth in greater detail below, under Section 407. To the extent that sufficient testing in adults can demonstrate that the risks of pre-event pediatric MCM research could be considered minimal, Studies should be reviewed and approved under Section 404. If it should prove impossible to conduct research that can be reasonably classified as minimal risk, then the level of allowable risk must be capped at a minor increase over minimal risk, and the pre-event pediatric MCM research proposal must undergo national-level review. National-level review under Section 407 should be permitted only in rare circumstances, or, as the National Commission put it, in, quote, exceptional situations in which considerable dangers to children or to the community at large might be avoided or prevented by exposing children to research attended by more than minimal risk, end quote. Pre-event studies posing no more than minimal risk, approvable under Section 404.
Whenever possible, informative pre-event pediatric MCM research should be designed in a way that children are only exposed to minimal risk. Such research would therefore be approvable under Section 404. Designing MCM studies as minimal risk requires a thoughtful and carefully executed research plan, since most bioterrorism events will affect both adults and children. Thorough testing in adults who can consent to assume risk on behalf of others must be completed before conducting research with those who cannot consent. Prior testing can help identify, understand, and characterize the risks of research. Once these risks are properly understood, to the extent it is possible to design and conduct informative minimal risk research with the youngest adults, for example, 18 years of age, it might be possible that the same research design, modified in accordance with information obtained from prior research, could form the basis of a study that would similarly be minimal risk with the oldest children, for example, 16 and 17 years of age. Moreover, adolescents aged 16 and 17 could provide meaningful assent to participation which, along with parental permission, would allow the research to proceed. Once minimal risk research is conducted with the oldest children, research determined to be minimal risk by incorporating any new data from this prior research could be conducted with the next youngest group of children. To the extent that it is possible to infer minimal risk from research with the previous cohort, age de-escalation, a process typical of vaccine development trials, would continue as a stepwise series of minimal risk protocols through to the youngest group of children. It is important to recognize that inferring minimal risk does not depend solely on whether an intervention is determined to be safe in adults. Adverse risk data, for example, will not definitely determine whether a study meets the regulatory minimal risk standard in addition to the risk associated with the intervention itself, which is informed by safety information and adverse event data. Reviewers and researchers must account for the risks associated with research procedures as well. For example, blood draws, if part of the research design. Moreover, the Bioethics Commission recognized that as a general matter, studying a previously untested therapeutic with children is often categorically classified as more than a minor increase over minimal risk. The age de-escalation process contemplated here, however, requires researchers to collect data and assess risk on the most similar group and infer the level of risk, when possible, to the next youngest age group. If minimal risk studies can be done with the youngest adults, for example, it might be possible to infer that a similar minimal risk study design can be done with the oldest adolescents. Not treating all children, in other words, 0 to 17 years of age, as a single group or class enables careful and thoughtful inference.
Because very young children differ physiologically from adults and even older children in significant ways, extrapolating adult data about risk to all children, 0 to 17 years of age, is quite difficult and involves a high degree of uncertainty. While initially there might be a dearth of relevant pediatric data under an age de-escalation approach, researchers and reviewers might be able to make an empirical finding that the research risk is no greater than minimal or a minor increase over minimal for the next lower age group. The Bioethics Commission concluded that cautious and scientifically sound age de-escalation, beginning with the youngest adults and progressing to the oldest children, can yield important data that will better inform the degree of risk posed by research. Although the data obtained through age de-escalation studies might show that the risks of research are still too high to justify its conduct, in other cases, the availability of more targeted and relevant data and consideration of a more limited segment of the pediatric population may permit extrapolation with greater certainty in judging the level of risk posed by a given protocol. The specific design of age de-escalation trials will vary depending on the intervention being tested and its mechanism of action as determined through early clinical trials and thorough testing in adults. Age de-escalation need not and should not be based solely on a participant's age. Additional developmental markers can and should be considered. While pediatric drug dosing is typically determined by a combination of age and body weight, maturational differences in absorption, metabolism, and elimination of drugs make use of age and weight alone less than ideal. Similarly, pediatric vaccine dosing is sometimes determined on the basis of body weight, route of administration, and maturation, but MCM research trials should take into account more granular physiological factors. Relevant demarcated steps for the process of age de-escalation should be clearly defined in the research plan and might be based on appropriate biological characteristics, such as chronological age or stage of development. For example, post-pubescent, pubescent, pre-pubescent, pre adolescent, school age, early childhood, toddlerhood, and infancy. For example, if the mode of action of the intervention might be affected by the metabolic, hormonal, immunological, and body composition changes that occur at predictable developmental stages of childhood, such as puberty, then age de-escalation should be carefully designed to account for these changes rather than solely accounting for age by chronological year. A focus on informed age de-escalation protocols will help to minimize risk in most pre-event pediatric MCM research. There are, however, contextual limits to the employment of this strategy. Stepwise age de-escalation studies are time-intensive, particularly if the aggregated results of initial studies 
must be analyzed for use in designing the trial with the next lower age group, and if each new trial requires individual IRB approval. In the event that the U.S. government receives credible intelligence on the development and planned deployment of a particular bioweapon, there might not be adequate time to complete sufficiently cautious age de-escalation protocols. The recommended use of age de-escalation assumes a situation in which there is no immediate threat of deployment. Additionally, there are situations in which age de-escalation trials might not be appropriate based on the anticipated difference in impact that an agent could have on children compared with adults or on the possibility that an agent might be used specifically to target children. Children, along with adults, would be affected in generalized bioterrorism attacks, but children could also be targeted specifically. Certain biohazardous threat agents could have a greater impact on children than on adults. A smallpox outbreak, for example, likely would affect children disproportionately due to the waning effects of herd immunity since the effective eradication of the disease and cessation of immunization in the United States in 1972. Children could also be targeted by location, for example schools, or through the mechanism of delivery, such as targeting the milk distribution system. Given that children between the ages of 2 and 11 years consume approximately twice as much milk as adults, an attack of this nature would pose a significant threat to children. While many bioterrorism agents affect both adults and children, and thus MCMs should be tested in adults first, evidence exists that children could be intentionally targeted through both method of distribution, and specific agents. Although the potential targeting of children in a bioterrorism attack stresses the importance of conducting pediatric MCM research, such research, even when minimal risk, must be ethically sound. For example, ethical pre-event pediatric MCM research must assure a developmentally appropriate meaningful assent process for potential child participants administered in conjunction with the process employed to obtain parental permission. Fully informed parental permission and meaningful child assent is especially important in the case of MCM research. A person independent of the study team should monitor consent or oversee the process of obtaining parental consent and meaningful child assent even in minimal risk studies. The consent monitor should be an independent entity without conflict of commitment or conflict of interest in conducting the research. Ethically sound pre-event pediatric research must also ensure that the costs of any resulting harm or injury do not fall on the injured research participants, even in minimal risk studies. This means that researchers must ensure that compensation for injuries arising from MCM research is accessible under the Public Readiness and Emergency Preparedness, PREP, Act, or 
through an alternative mechanism. See Compensation for Research-Related Injury, Chapter 3. Whenever possible, pre-event pediatric trials should employ age de-escalation strategies that provide additional protection to the most vulnerable members of the group, the youngest children, by beginning with those who are less vulnerable, young adults. If prior testing of young adults makes it reasonable to infer that such research would be of minimal risk to the oldest children, conducting minimal risk research with those in their late teens would allow researchers to identify, characterize, and understand research risks before moving to younger, more vulnerable groups of children. In the event that age de-escalation is impossible due to, for example, an inability to extrapolate the rate of adverse events between adults or older children and younger children or insufficient time available for testing, MCM research might need to be considered under Section 407, provided it is no more than a minor increase over minimal risk. See pre-event studies posing no more than a minor increase over minimal risk approvable under Section 407, Chapter 3. In all cases, ethical safeguards, such as fully informed parental permission, meaningful child assent, and treatment or compensation for research-related injuries must be provided. Recommendation 1. Pre-event pediatric medical countermeasure research risk limited to minimal except under extraordinary circumstances. Pre-event pediatric medical countermeasure testing should be conducted with a research design posing only a minimal level of research risk except under extraordinary circumstances. If pre-event pediatric medical countermeasure research cannot be conducted as a minimal risk study, research that exposes children to no more than a minor increase over minimal risk, a level that is still very limited and poses no substantial risk to health or well-being, should proceed to a national level review under Department of Health and Human Services regulations at 45 CFR section 46.407 and or U.S. Food and Drug Regulations at 21 CFR Section 50.54. Recommendation 2. Risk in Pre-Event Pediatric Medical Countermeasure Research. Before beginning pre-event medical countermeasure studies with children, ethically sound modeling, testing with animals, and testing with the youngest adults must be completed to identify understand and characterize research risks. If pediatric research is determined to be minimal risk and is to be conducted, progressive age de-escalation should be employed whenever possible from the oldest age group of children to the youngest group necessary to provide additional protection to the youngest and most vulnerable children and to ensure that data from an older age group can inform the research design and the estimate of risk level for the next younger age group. Application to trials of AVA with children 
minimal risk pre-event trials of AVA with children. An AVA trial with children that is approvable under Section 404 must present no more than minimal risk to participants, provided that all necessary prior testing of AVA has been conducted in adults and in the event that it is possible to conduct an informative minimal risk pre-event trial with the youngest adults, in other words, 18 years of age. It might be possible to design and conduct minimal risk pre-event research with the oldest cohort of children, in other words, 16 and 17 years of age. Moving from AVA trials in the youngest adults to the oldest cohort of children only can proceed under Section 404 if the research is minimal risk in young adults and the data collected are sufficient to conclude that such research could be considered minimal risk in the oldest cohort of children. Available data. The safety, immunogenicity, the capability of a vaccine to stimulate a specific immune response, and dosing of AVA have been evaluated in both animal studies and adult human studies. Based on available data, AVA is approved by FDA, quote, for the active immunization for the prevention of disease caused by bacillus anthracis in persons 18 through 65 years of age whose occupation or other activities place them at high risk of exposure, end quote. AVA has been distributed widely to adults. As of 2001, approximately 2.1 million doses of AVA had been distributed to members of the military. AVA safety has been evaluated in adults through both active and passive surveillance studies, and its safety is comparable to other vaccines regularly administered during routine medical appointments. Data in adults indicate that the mild and moderate adverse events associated with AVA are no worse than for other vaccines. Although vaccination with AVA results in a higher incidence of mild allergic reactions than some other more routine vaccines, AVA is less allergenic than vaccines that are produced with eggs, for example, yellow fever vaccine. Among mild reactions, tenderness, about one person's out of two, and redness, about one out of seven men and one out of three women, near the injection site are most common. Less common are mild reactions such as itching, about one out of 50 men and one out of 20 women, development of a lump, about one out of 60 men and one out of 16 women, or bruising, about one out of 25 men and one out of 22 women at the injection site. Systemic events such as fever, malaise, and myalgia, although associated with receipt of AVA, are much less common than injection site reactions and are similar in both rate and type to advance 
observed following receipt of other vaccines that are routinely administered. Accordingly, it might be possible to conclude that the administration of AVA in adults is minimal risk because, quote, the probability and magnitude of harm or discomfort anticipated in the research are not greater in and of themselves than those ordinarily encountered during the performance of routine physical examinations or tests, end quote. AVA's immunogenicity has also been evaluated in adults, but the immune response it elicits is not as well characterized for its safety. While the mechanism of immunogenicity is understood and has been qualitatively observed, the quantitative relationship or the precise level of antibody that confers protection against anthrax is not known. Data regarding the efficacy of AVA come from vaccine trials in animals whose immune responses are similar to adults, including rhesus monkeys and, to a lesser extent, rabbits. These studies have shown that AVA is most effective against anthrax when combined with antibiotics and given before the onset of clinical illness. Antibiotics treat the immediate infection, while the vaccine provides protection against future infection from the dormant spores that remain after the course of antibiotics has been completed. Information regarding the efficacy of AVA in adults also comes from one human study, a 1962 experiment, in which mill workers at risk of cutaneous anthrax exposure were given an early anthrax vaccine, not AVA. The usefulness of this adult data is limited because the research addressed cutaneous anthrax rather than inhalational anthrax, and the vaccine tested was only a precursor to AVA. Observational data in humans also provide evidence of efficacy in adults. End of chapter three, Ethical Considerations for Pediatric Medical Countermeasure Research, part one. Recording by Patrick McAfee, Merritt Island.